You know, the Shirks love Connecticut water. It's no secret, have for many years. We live out in the country and we have that ironclad well water. Well, we treat all of our water with the Connecticut Whole Home Water Treatment System. And we also use Connecticut's K5 drinking water system. That buildup, that white buildup you get around faucets, nope, we've got none of that. Our dishes are clean. Katie loves what Connecticut water does for her hair and skin. And the boys drink water out of the K5 system all day long. The best part to me, the well water taste and foul smell, they are gone. So call Connecticut like we did and look forward to clean, safe water. Well, it's a little bit like watching a never-ending game of tennis. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Hey, everybody. Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. Welcome to the Minnesota Bound podcast. The stories behind the stories. And one that is so dear to my heart right now and has been for a while is the proposed mine up on the southern edge of the Boundary Waters. And, you know, sometime back we tackled the proposed project as a Minnesota Bound special. And at the end of that episode, I said, look, the process is going to play out for years. And every week you could put some sort of headline in the newspaper of this lawsuit, that argument, this and that in the process. But really it's going to take a decade to figure this thing out. So here we are today. There is finally a little bit of news um, regarding the proposed mine. Um, and I wanted to have a friend and guest uh, who is probably as close to this debate as anyone on the planet, Steve Paragas, uh, an iconic name in the world of Ely and also the Boundary Waters outfitting business. Steve, how the heck are you? I'm doing good, Bill. Thanks for having me. What's your weather doing in Ely right now? Well, I'm looking out the window. It's starting to snow again. So it seems like we get a, a little scud comes through about every 15 minutes. This one's supposed to last for a few hours. So we're looking forward to another two or three inches of snow today. Tis the season, and in some sick way, it's part of the reason you live there. It is the reason we live here, yeah. I mean, we love Ely. We love the town. We love all of our friends who are here, but we came and we stayed because of this environment. And it's and uh, winter, spring, summer, or fall, it's it's always interesting. We, um, we're luckily, we live on a little river, Burnside River, that stays open in the winter so i can even go paddle my sit on top kayak this afternoon how's that uh, it's not normal but i love it <laughs> <laughs> never and, wanted to be never wanted to be normal bill <laughs> no, me neither i was just uh waiting the mississippi river 24 hours ago with a couple oh, of really? guys showing them that you could catch um bass in february with spinning reels and it's just no not way. normal, and it's what we covet. You know, part of the reason, a big reason, um, you live there, and we all love that part of the world, is the Boundary Waters. And it is this protected piece of the world. Clean water, um, lots of woods, no roads, no 
buildings. It is what we picture this world looking like a long time ago. But of course, on the rest of the planet, there is so much development and we need resources. And there happens to be a resource sitting on the far south end of the Boundary Waters. Underground, copper. And Twin Metals, the mining company, wants to mine those metals. And they want to make it happen because it is a very dense deposit. But folks like us, um, while having an open mind, say, not at the risk of our boundary water. So this debate has been going on for a long, long time. Uh, but we finally got some news here in the last couple of weeks that, that at least for now is substantial. And it has to do with Twin Metals leases. Talk, talk about what's going on there. Well, sure. Um, yeah, this, this, the, as you say that, you know, the tennis ball has been going back and forth. We kind of hope the volley is over, but it's, um, it, uh, what happened in the last couple of weeks is the, uh, leases, um, mineral leases that are, uh, held, uh, and distributed through the uh, Bureau of Land Management. They, they own mineral leases, underground leases here, in Northeast Minnesota, and you, you normally think of BLM as being out west, but they are active uh, in Northeast Minnesota and have been for a century or more. Um, those leases that had been granted under the Trump administration, given back basically under the Trump administration, have been removed again. So they were they were taken away from Twin Metals back in 2016 under the under the Obama administration, regranted. And that's why you call it a tennis tennis match. Regranted in 2018, and then taken away again this year under the Biden administration. So, um, and I think the reason really that it was they were um, removed again is because under the Trump administration, the um, the the leases were not legally given back. There was a lot of um, inconsistencies in in the way that. Uh, that it, those people in the BLM and the Interior Department under Trump did business, and they and they didn't do it the way they were supposed to do it. So they were never really legally granted back. And then just under in the last two weeks, determination by the solicitor, the assistant solicitor of the Interior, determined that they never should have been given back. So they are now taken away again. And Twin Metals uh, is, you know, has put in a lot of work to look at this. Um, unfortunately, you know, it's a geologic, um, uh, unfortunate situation, happenstance that right next to the boundary waters is a deposit of copper nickel ore, <laughs> sulfide minerals. But uh, that's the way it is. And they've been there for 1.8 billion years. So. Uh, we would like to see them stay there for a lot longer, like you said. And you know, once you open Pandora's box, you know it's hard to put it. It's hard to put these things back in. So it's impossible, actually. So, so we're happy that, uh, from my point of view as a business person here in Ealing, very happy that the Biden administration uh, again uh, made it more difficult and probably maybe impossible for Twin Metals to start mining um, sulfide ore minerals. Uh, so the so the volley right now has ended, and uh, the ball is in our court, I guess, 
And we're, our next step uh, as part of the campaign to save the Boundary Waters is to get permanent protection to bring, um, bring to the House and, and to the Senate, the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate, a bill that would uh, give um, permanent protection to the 234,000 acres of land that sits outside the Boundary Waters that occupies the watershed leading into the boundary water. So if you're going to, if you're going to mine uh, sulfide ore, uh, uh, you know, you're going to have to do it somewhere other than in the watershed that leads into the middle of the boundary waters. If this, if this legislation passes. So that's what we're, that's our next step is to work on getting that through the house. And that'll be, you know, is uh, Congresswoman uh, Betty McCollum is the, is the standard bearer for that legislation. It passed once in the House in the last legislative session. It should pass again. And then get it through the Senate and have um, President Biden sign it for so that uh, well, there's no more question, there's no more volleying. The tennis ball is going to have to find another court. Yeah, you just, just take your ball and you go home and we look at other things. But is that realistic? Yeah. Do you feel like there's a shot this can happen? Oh, yeah. No, I feel, I feel it's... I, uh, I don't know what the percentages are, but 50-50 or better is my guess because uh, we've um, laid the groundwork, I think, um, for now for 10 years, almost 10 years of campaigning to get this to happen. You know, these things happen slowly, whether it's in Yellowstone or the Grand Canyon or, or the Boundary Waters, all wonderful um, wilderness and recreation areas that should be protected. But eventually... Uh, you know, they, we, I think the, the U.S. Uh, citizenry, the people of the United States, are willing to protect their most sacred uh, outdoor recreation uh, locations, and we're one of them. I know if you compare us to the Grand Canyon, I, I don't, we don't have as many visitors, but we have just as, just as uh, rare of an environment. There's no place on earth with, that has the lakes and the rivers and the streams that the Boundary Waters does in one, 1.1 million acre, uh, you know, piece of land. There's nothing like it on the surface of the earth. There's no, there's no other place where canoe country is so perfect. So it deserves the same protection that Yellowstone or the Boundary or, um, or the Grand Canyon or um, the Tetons, any of the, any of the most iconic of, of uh, natural resources in this country deserve. And I think we're going to get there. Yes. The Sheriff family enjoys spending a lot of time outside. Hence, we care what goes into our environment. That's why we support propane, the energy for everyone. Did you know that propane produces fewer greenhouse gas emissions than electricity generated on the U.S. grid? Propane's emissions are 43% fewer. That's a lot. Propane is clean, dependable, and affordable. Plus, it's produced right here in the USA. Let's all do our part to reduce emissions from our homes, cabins, and businesses by choosing propane, the right energy right now. To learn more about propane, the energy for everyone, go to propane.com. Hi there, Ron Shera here for Star Bank. If you're putting your money into mega banks down the street, who knows where that money's being used? Bank locally. Keep your money local with a community bank that actually cares about you, your family, your business, and your goals. Check out the bank we use at Minnesota Bound. Try Minnesota's own Star Bank. You can find them online at starbank.net. When you call Star Bank, you actually hear a real living person answering the phone. 
Star Bank has 10 convenient locations around Minnesota to serve you and all the mobile banking products that you need to manage your money. Check out all that Star Bank has to offer at StarBank.net. I definitely have an opinion on this. I have tried to listen to both sides because I'm very interested in just understanding and learning. Um, and I, as I understand it, all right, so the parent company of Twin Metals is probably say it wrong, Anafagasta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they want at this because it is a very rich deposit of ore. It's easy pickings, so to speak. But then the critics say, well, wait a second, get that. But the research shows that on planet Earth, we have enough viable copper we can get to without taking this risk to get us through the next thousand years. Is it, do I have that right? Well, you have it mostly right. It, you know, it's, it's not a rich deposit, really. It's a very low-grade deposit. Um, the the mineral mineralization in the ore body itself is um, 1% or less of uh, usable minerals. So it's copper, there's, a little, there's some nickel, there's some cobalt, there's a little bit of platinum and palladium and gold. All of those elements are present, but in very low, low concentrations. So, so what that means is it's economically um, questionable whether it's mineable at this point or not. It's not easy pickings. It's, it's actually quite marginal pickings. Okay. And the company uh, has done, you know, they've done their research. They know what the uh, body looks, the ore body looks like. If you go down into the earth on an angle, you'd kind of look like you'd be seeing layers of lenses, lenses of deposit and then uh, no deposit, another lens of deposit and no deposit. So these, you know, this was a mineralization that was brought up um, during a mountain building era a long, long time ago, more than a billion years ago, and solidified into the crust. Uh, and now as that mountain range, the Laurentian Mountains that used to exist here, by the way, yes. Minnesota had, had the Himalayas at one time, they have worn away and we're now into the roots of those mountains. And what we have for topography today is really the roots of an old mountain range. And in the roots of those mountains are, are, are these minerals uh, and fairly uh, you know, uh, not well, uh, well defined, but not very concentrated. So, um, uh, so the so the question is, you know, first of all, can you do it economically? But then, even if you even if you could, what are the impacts on the on the surface? What are the impacts on the water? What are the impacts on the land and on the air? And if you look at it rationally, and and I have tried to do that, like you said, I've tried to look at both sides. I'm not so sure that people on the other side have really done that. I, I, I don't criticize them personally, but I would say if they've looked at it rationally and taken a, a broad look at um, sulfide ore mining in the world today, they would have found that it's a, it's a difficult proposition to keep from polluting the environment around those mines. Uh, in fact, it's never been done. I was so, going to say history shows it's never, that every... Never. Project yeah. of this nature has polluted. Yeah, especially you know, I mean, they they quote a couple of examples that are marginally okay, like the Lady Smith mine in in um, in Wisconsin is a tiny little open uh, open pit mine that was open for a few years and closed back up. 
it still pollutes the watershed around it, but to a degree that um, the, the, the DNR of Wisconsin doesn't find that level of pollution to be a problem. It can be, it can be mitigated. You can put some uh, calcium uh, chloride or calcium, um, uh, like limestone. You, yep. can, you can neutralize and buffer the, the problem because it's such a tiny mine. But you build a big mine, anywhere there's a big mine that mines sulfide ores, and this, this means that the copper, the, the iron, the nickel, anything, anything that you want out of it is tied to the sulfur atom. And you have to break that bond and get rid of the sulfur. Well, this, the sulfur is loose and it gets into the environment and it turns into sulfuric acid. It is a and simple it, chemical reaction. It's a very, really, really quite simple, Bill. You're right. You know, you know, there's not a lot of complexity here. These, these, you know, we talk about uh, a, a mining study, you know, uh, with the, with the pro uh, mining people would like to have happen is have a, you know, a complete environmental um, analysis of this mine and the mine plan. And what we have said is, well, we don't really need that. We know what copper nickel mines do. And, and even in the most modern of these mines, there's always pollution. There's always problems, even within the first year, sometimes in the first sec or second year. Um, the studies have shown that, you know, you don't have to really look at every single detail of what a copper mine is going to do in order to show that it's going to have problems because they all have problems. So, so the, the uh, Forest Service is now conducting, they're back to, they've reopened the study of the watershed that will, that will eventually show is the answer the question basically is this the proper place to site a sulfide or copper mine and and that scientific study is the process that's the the designated process under government rules that that's what should happen now the process of going through a mine plan and doing a complete eis that would be the next step so we don't have to jump to that next step if the first step says, no, yes. this is not the right location. And the Forest Service is doing that study there. They were, it was truncated back under Trump. It was Trumpated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, under the Trump administration, they just said, forget it. We don't want to do this study. We don't care what it says. We're just going to give back the leases. So now we're back to following the law. And the law says we have to do this study. And that study should be done this year should be done hopefully before summer or during summer. And I think it, you know, obviously it should say, because really, you know, the, the, the writing is on the wall that it's pretty obvious. This is not the right place to, to site a copper nickel mine. And when that happens, then, you know, that adds further um, ammunition to the argument that we need to protect this boundary waters wilderness permanently through legislative action and a signature by the president. So uh, the, this, you know, the process is underway. The, uh, uh, you know, the dominoes are kind of lining up. If you know, we don't know, you know, we have no crystal ball, but if things go well before the, before there's a change, uh, you know, after the next midterm election, who knows what's going to happen. So we'd like to pass this before the next midterm election at the end of this year. Well, this is this this plan to pass permanent protection 
is very important that it happens in, you know, in the right time. All right. We need to thank a couple of sponsors. And when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about economics, specifically boom and bust economies. Okay. Steve Paragas is my guest today, uh, proprietor of one of the coolest outfitting businesses in Ely. If you've never been up to see his shop and his canoes and backpacks hanging, it is something to see. Uh, I'm Bill Shirk, the man about the woods, and you are listening to the Minnesota Bound podcast, uh, which is brought to you each week by some great sponsors. First up, Hewitt Docks. Hewitt Docks Lifts and Pontoon Legs began in a small south-central Minnesota town with a mission to make dock install and removal easier by inventing the Rolla Dock. Well, now the company has evolved to provide everything you might need to improve your lake time. In addition to the classic Rolla Dock or the new Ultra Dock system, Hewitt offers all-terrain staircases, gangways, canopies, and lifts, along with any accessory you might need. Celebrate 50 years of business with us. Go to HewittRad.com to enter for a chance to win a free dock and monthly prizes. Hewitt Docks, lifts, and pontoon legs. Work hard, play harder. You deserve a Hewitt. I'd also like to thank Thousand Hills Lifetime Graze Beef. You know, I make a career talking about, we're doing it today, talking about clean water native habitat, and the best environmental practices. That is exactly why I love to work with Thousand Hills Lifetime Grazed Beef. It is locally raised beef done differently. Thousand Hills uses what is called regenerative agriculture to raise their cattle. Those beef cows, they graze in fields of wild grasses and then move to a different field of grass. It is a sustainable ecosystem free of synthetic fertilizers and chemical herbicides. It is a system of agriculture that promotes clean water, natural grasses, and yes, the byproduct is the best beef you've tasted. The Shirk family, we love grilling and smoking, and we love doing so with Thousand Hills Lifetime Grazed Beef. It is beef raised the right way. Check out Thousand Hills to understand their regenerative agricultural practices and fall in love with Thousand Hills Beef. All right. Steve Paragas is my guest today. Um, He is outfitted me on Boundary Waters trips in the past, I mean, tens of thousands of people, families, individuals, all kinds of people, new and old to the Boundary Waters. Um, and Steve, you have also been one of the big voices in the debate over the proposed mine. And and one part of this whole debate that personally I find very intriguing is Ely's economy. It drives me nuts. I'm just going to get up on my soapbox for a second. When I see a sign that says anti-mining, I'm going to tell the world I am not against mining. I'm talking on a headset with a computer that got to my office today in a vehicle that uses some of the very metals we are talking about. I am not against mining. I am purely in favor of doing it the best way we can. And in the case of Ely, mining seems to be all about a boom and bust economy. 
if this mine were to happen, it's a 20-year deal. The lease is up, and then the mine goes away, and the people associated with it go away. Talk about what a boom-bust economy is, specifically for your little burb. Well, we've gone through it before. Um, Nancy and I got here in 1975, and uh, we went through the first big bust in about 1982 during a, a major recession, especially in the mining economy. Uh, taconite mines were closing down left and right uh, for longer periods of time than you know, just a few weeks for, for a year or more. And so there were people out of work. Um, it was a desperate time. I had just started my business. Nancy had a trail foods business at the time. And we, were, we weren't dependent on the mining economy. And Ely was, you know, uh, devastated in, you know, in terms of the year-round economy because so many people were working in taconite mines at the time. This was, you know, the, the underground mines, the iron ore mines closed in the 60s. So... This was taconite era, and taconite mines were uh, re in a major recession. So you could buy a house in Ely. Uh, literally, you could buy a house that would sell today for maybe $150,000. These are small Ely houses for $5,000 in the, in the 80s, in the early 80s. And people were desperate to find work. So, um, And it lasted for a couple of years. Uh, it's, it, was, it was not just in Ely. It was all over the range. Well, Ely has changed since then. You know, we have become less dependent on mining and uh, taconite mining employs less people now than it did in the 70s and early 80s. Uh, it's become much more automated. And my, the mining economy uh, is not really a major factor in the Ely economy right now. We, we kind of associate ourselves more with the Arrowhead and less with the Iron Range. The Iron Range, even the Iron Range, the, uh, you know, the, the core of the Iron Range, uh, Virginia, Minnesota, Eveleth, Chisholm, those towns, it still represents a very small fraction of their total economy because so much of it is, is really um, has been automated. And a, an underground, tack, or an underground um, copper nickel mine would be even more automated and have less uh, actual numbers of human beings working there. Um, so Ely's gone through it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, characteristic of all mining economies. Uh, there are very few prosperous, what you would call pure mining towns. If you go through the West and I've done this on road trips, uh, seen what happened in Butte, Montana after that mine was closed down. It was a beautiful town of big brick buildings with nothing in them. And, uh, you know, a, a pit in the ground that's uh, so toxic that if a duck lands on it, he's not, li he's not likely to be taken off again. Um, you know, a uh, little town in, in Arizona, Ajo, Arizona, just on the, almost on the Mexican border down by um, Oregon Pipe Na National Monument. Uh, a, a big copper mine closed about 10 years ago. It's been a desperate situation ever since. What are, you know, they have, they had uh, depended on one aspect of their economy, on the mining economy, and they have nothing left. So Ely's very, very, very fortunate. We haven't been dependent on mining. And again, we're, you know, we're not against mining either. <laughs> in, in no way am I against mining. 
mining is a part of what has to happen in order to solve our climate change issues. And, um, and it's also part of everything that we use on a daily basis. Uh, and we, we live a modern lifestyle. We live on products of mining. So we're not against mining. How can you be against mining and live in a modern society? But uh, we're, we're definitely against uh, mines that don't make sense ecologically in, in, uh, in a place like, uh, an iconic place like the Boundary Waters. And if you're going to go, if, you know, if you're going to be dependent on a mining economy, yeah, you're going to go through boom and bust times. And you just got to kind of assume that. Whether that happens, there's no crystal ball, whether that happens in the next 20 years it may not, you know, it, we may have a fairly steady demand for those products of mining as we try to solve the, the issue of climate change. And there's lots of mining towns around the country, around Canada, around Australia, all allies of ours who are mining tons and tons of copper and nickel and and cobalt and supplying the demand of the of the modern green economy without having to sink a mine like that right next to the most really so it sounds so ridiculous you put a toxic mine uh, what, what is what the epa has called the, the country's most toxic industry right next to and and really within the cleanest water, some of the cleanest water literally in North America. The headwaters of the Kawishwi River are nothing but rain and snow. <laughs> That's it. This, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of dust that comes out of the air, I guess. But this is the purest water in the world. And, and the, you know, the fact that geology has left us with a deposit of toxic ore on the edge of the Kawishwi River, right where that pure water flows into the boundary waters is an unfortunate situation, but it is what it is and it doesn't have to be mined. The Pandora's box can stay closed and it'll be there a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now. And if you know society at that time decides to change the rules, then so be it. But for our lifetimes and maybe for the next seven generations, Let's keep it in the ground <laughs> and live with an economy that's so sustainable like we have now in the Ely area. We, so what about, those, what about those folks who say, well, wait a second. No, no, no. Mining economy, a lot more money infused versus outdoor recreation. Well, that's not true. That's simply not true. My, my, my employees are paid well. They have all the benefits that that are accrued to um, of professional people. And, and they live here because they want to, they don't live here because they have to. And uh, they're all uh, well-educated, sophisticated individuals who uh, make a good living. And, uh, and I think if you look around the area, there aren't, maybe there aren't as many employers who employ as many as we do, but, there are literally hundreds of entrepreneurial families who are making livings as canoe outfitters, as, as um, uh, resort owners, as dog sled uh, businesses, and that that economy keeps growing. And those people are happy and satisfied and making a, a, a livable, reasonably good living, working with recreation, working with 
nature, working with the products of this beautiful environment that was left to us, you know, and, and why not keep it clean, keep it unique and separate from the rest of the world. People aren't coming here to support our economy because they want to see a 6,000 acre industrial complex. They're not, they're not coming here to uh, uh, see a mountain of tailings or to experience the noise of an underground mine or to, uh, you know, paddle someplace uh, within earshot of, uh, of uh, you know, drilling and blasting. So we, we got to protect what we got. I've, I've got to protect my business in any way I can. I don't think anybody blames me, no matter what they think, for trying to protect my business and my employees and my family, just like uh, there's an opposite point of view. And I don't blame them either. If you, know, if you really want to really, really, really want to work in a copper mine, I don't blame you for supporting the idea of a copper mine here. I just, I just think, you know, somebody's got to make this determination and it's, it's going to have to be, it's a federal issue. It's going to have to be a federal determination. It's, it's America's wilderness. It's not just Ely's wilderness or the Iron Range wilderness. My 13 year old father moment, proud father moment. I'm going to brag. He just got an A in social studies for the year. And his big project, um, a little bit unbeknownst to me, was writing about the birth of the boundary waters and the protection of the superior national forest and how that all happened. There were a lot of people who put in a lot of time and effort and had a vision for parts of our country that need to be protected forever perpetuity and the boundary waters is one of those places if you've been there it's probably a little bit easier to understand if you haven't been there you need to go and if you don't know how to i know a guy (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) but to sit on a rock on the edge of the water and feel like you are the only person on planet earth is life-changing. It was for me a long, long time ago. That has never changed. The sensation is the same every time I go. And that's enough for me. That's all I got. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more, Bill feeling like you are the only person on the planet when you sit in the boundary waters is part of the sensation so that's my challenge to people if you don't buy it or you haven't tried it i dare you so there you go (laughs) steve thanks so much for taking the time it is fun to catch up um don't forget you need a snow shovel you're going to be shoveling tomorrow there's more snow (laughs) coming And I'll be up in just a few days and I'll be able to help shovel if there's anything left. Well, the wind wind is out of the east and the sky, the air is full of snow right now. So it's winter in the north woods and we cherish it all. I love it. Keep up the good work and uh, hope to see you real soon. Thank you so much. Take care now. All right. Steve Paragas of Paragas Outfitters. Um, Not only do they have some of the best uh, canoes and 
packs and guides in the boundary waters, but I hate to say it, their stickers are amazing. It's all over my gear, all over my coffee mugs, polk sled, everything else. So there you go. That's the story on the boundary waters. I am Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. Thank you so much for listening to the Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories. Hey, before we go, I want to thank the folks who helped make this podcast happen. Of course, the Minnesota Bound podcast is presented by Connecticut Water Treatment Systems. Also, Hewitt Docks, Thousand Hills Lifetime Grazed Beef, Star Bank, and the Minnesota Propane Association. We'll see you back here real soon. And in the meantime, don't forget to introduce a kid to the great outdoors. (laughs) 